Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Aviation Avenue podcast. Folks, I'm very happy to be back with you recording another episode of our podcast. My name is Braden Piscopo. I'm your host. And before we get right into it, a few quick announcements, and then we will jump right in. So, everybody, this is episode 128. We are almost getting closer to the to episode 130. This is going to be an amazing uh, milestone, hitting 130 episodes when we hit it. Uh, there's there's going to be one more episode to go after this episode. This is 128. And, folks, I can't believe it. We started our podcast two year, or three years ago now, and we are at uh, 128 episodes. So this is a great milestone for our podcast, and I can't wait for uh, episode 130. And then another announcement is yesterday I was down at the Plains of Fame uh, Air Museum Wheels, Tracks, and Wings event 2023. I had a super amazing time there uh, seeing many different uh, vehicles from World War II and some uh, great aircraft from World War II and Korea, including the Corsair the uh, and the B-25 Mitchell. Uh, fortunately, I didn't stay for the uh, whole thing. I had to leave um, early. Uh, I didn't see the Sherman. T- well, I saw the Sherman tank, but I didn't see it um, in action, but I'm sure it was great. And uh, my favorite parts, I had a lot of favorite parts, including seeing the B-25 and the Corsair and actually learning about uh, how Walt Disney designed uh, aircraft squadron insignias by uh, Ted Mount, one of the docents there for his TED Talk this month. So it was an amazing uh, demo overall. Thank you so much to the uh, Plains of Fame Air Museum for keeping history alive and honoring our veterans who have uh, served our country and uh keep and and uh keeping our warbirds flying so that was a great uh event i can't wait for the next one uh i can't wait for the next demo and the next wheels tracks and wings which is next year and i'm also looking forward to next year's uh air show uh that is the rumor that they will be having it in 2024 when all the construction uh works or all the all the construction is finished um, so yeah, more updates soon once we get on that and more announcements to come in the future. So everybody, today we're going to be talking about the MiG-15. Now this is an aircraft that was made in Russia and uh, our special guest is going to be that is going to be joining us is Chris Fahey. He is a former F-16 uh, fighter pilot um, and current commercial airliner. Uh, he gave a presentation at the uh, Planes of Fame uh, live demo back in February of last year. So thank you again to him for coming on, and we hope we, we hope you guys enjoy it, and we'll talk to you on the backhand. Can you guys all hear me down there? Yeah. Can you hear me right here? Yep. Hi, Brett. Um, so MiG-15, this airplane was built in 1952. Uh, it was made in Russia, most likely. It's got Russian tags on it. The whole first batch of MiG-15s went were made in Russia and then went to China, and this has been through probably three or four or five overhauls, I don't know, it was in service from the 50s all the way until um, uh, about 1985, or early 80s anyway, so it's been probably overhauled by the Chinese. So a lot of Chinese writing in there, uh, mostly Chinese writing, and some Russian little data plates and stuff, so. Um, the ones that were made in China, starting in the mid-50s, were uh, called F, uh, F5s? I forget. But then they had uh, they made their own MiG-15s and MiG-17s afterwards, and I, you know, I forget the designation. I apologize. But anyway, um, 
The airplane is about a thousand pounds lighter. The F-86 has about a thousand pounds less thrust, but it does climb better. Uh, it will fly higher. Now you gotta uh, put what Sabre you're talking about into perspective. This is a little faster than the F-86A. The F-86E was about the same speed. And this, the F-86F, after a while, is a bit faster. So if these two airplanes are taken off from a dead stop right next to each other, um, and you say go, and we're doing a formation takeoff, oh, this will jump out and start the F-86. So I have to throw Sorry. it back from doing a formation takeoff with Steve. So we're going uh, down the runway, so I have to kind of hold on the runway. The sailor will rotate a little bit later. We'll yeah, going, and then the game will accelerate the saber. Yeah, it's a golf. The saber would start catching up. And maybe by the time you're 300 knots, the saber would catch it. And then after that, the saber's faster. So at higher end, the saber would be faster. Now that's if you stay level. The MiG's going to outclimb this thing, uh, the saber jet, even the F, um, all the way up. Maybe we'll go up to 50,000, 50, 55,000, Sabre will go to 40, 45,000, somewhere in there. I forgot the exact numbers you can look it up on Wikipedia, which is, may or may not be right. But um, the MiG doesn't fly nearly as nice, so the MiGs are kind of squirrely, strange up there. I've never been to 45,000 feet in the MiG. I've been to 40,000 feet in the Sabre. It flies very nice. Um, so controllability is a little less with this airplane that is in the F-86 up high. Down low, they're, they're pretty equal. They're the, I, I flew F-16s in the Air Force for 12 years. I flew against F-18s, and as far as, I've never flown an F-18, but flying against them is pretty equal. And you heard Chuck Yeager say it comes down to the pilot. He said that with this as well, it comes down to the pilot. Um, in a one-on-one -on -one dogfight, um, there is no clear advantage between the Sabre jet and this. Each does a couple of little things better. The Sabre's a little more comfortable to fly. Um, the visibility out of this is still pretty good. Uh, even though it's, they say it was a little less in the, in the talk, it's really not bad in this airplane. You get all around visibility. Just a little bit lower. Um, the Sabre has, it, they're, they're comparable. The visibility is not a big factor in this. Better guns, it's got 23 millimeter cannons that are very, very good. It's got a 37 millimeter cannon, uh, which is meant to shoot down bombers. But if it did ever hit a fighter, uh, that would finish it. But um, a little bit better gun setup, and they, they did a test in Korea called um, um, well, a drone blank. They did a 20 millimeter gun uh, uh, test with 12 sabers in 1953, and they were incredibly much better. Gun valve, thank you. Project Gun Valve, thank you. Uh, it was done by a guy named Colonel Harrison Thing. Yes, Harry Thing. Um, but he was quite famous in World War II Ace. Um, I don't know if anyone called him Harry, but uh, anyhow, they—they—that's uh, when the Air Force finally made the transition to 20 millimeter. Um, was in that and all the future airplanes. The Navy had, of course, already gone to 20 millimeter. Uh, a little more effective here to go around than the 50 caliber. So let's see. Uh, they're both pretty comparable. Like I said, the Sabre has a little bit more range, not much. The MiGs were flying over their bases, so the Sabres had to go get them. So the Sabres were at an endurance and range disadvantage for most of the war. Um, even sitting here with two tanks, I can go to Reno with two tanks. Without the tanks, I can go to Vegas comfortably. That's about it. Go a little further. Phoenix, maybe. Um, it, but it's pretty short range without the tanks on it. Those two tanks reach 100 gallons. The airplane's got about 370 gallons internal. Sabres, 435 ish. I'd have to add it up and make it up.
the saver's got a little more gas. Um, weird thing about this too is uh, the main fuel tank is the big fuel tank, so it gets about half empty. When you pull on G's, you stop the fuel sloshes. So it pitches the airplane pretty good. For those of you who have, have an old car, you hear the fuel sloshing in your fuel tank. This does it in the airplane, but it goes back and forth and actually changes the pitch a little bit. It would spoil gun, the gunshots. So there's, there's some old, you know, there's, this is 1944-45 technology, so. This never had the flying tail, it's just got a conventional elevator. So you heard about P38s and compressibility, and all that is is the supersonic shockwave blanking out elevators and controls, and the boundary layer starts separating. This suffered from that, the A model Saber suffered from that, and you heard about the all flying tail in the F86E, where the F86, the whole tail moved. Now in the F86s, they kept it looking like there's an elevator because it was top secret. So what happens to the F-86, say, say if my wrist is the elevator and the rest is the whole horizontal, the saber would move like this. But in the E and the F, you're moving the whole thing. Like in an F-15 or an F-16, you're moving the whole horizontal. That is an extremely uh, good tactical advantage, performance advantage in combat, especially higher Mach numbers. So this does not have that little tiny element. And then there's some problems with the wings. The MiG-17 basically fixed the shortcomings of this airplane and added an afterburner, but the MiG-17 wing is different, the ailerons are different. Compared to the Sabre, the, the, the issue, the, the big issue, this is roll rate, it's about half the roll rate of the Sabre, so the uh, roll rate's pretty, pretty bad. Very heavy, doesn't roll very good. Other than that, it, uh, it's an excellent airplane. Fun to fly, uh, it's, it's bulletproof. Uh, we'll be sitting for a month, drag the Sabre out and do three, four, five, six hours a night and to service this thing, and the tires are trying to go usually. Um, so the day-to-day -day maintenance on this is much, much easier. They were able to, the whole, the whole gun package, it's in, it's in a cart, but you can just unsnap the panels, and then there's some lugs, you undo those lugs, bring the whole thing down, goes in this little roll-around cart, set it on, take that one out, bring a new one in, just put it up, you can change all the armament in this in 15 minutes. And they just had gun packages, they changed the whole thing, so that's probably not the one that came with the airplane, because they... And, and a good crew, if you had two or three guys do what they're doing, I bet you could do it in less than 10 minutes. Change the entire army, because they had it all ready to go. Another one ready to go, just stick it in, so. Um, the way the gear is shaped, you know, like American airplanes have a straight landing gear, an oil strut. These are bent, and the oil strut's in between, so they're made to, made for uh, rough fields. So, some pretty, I mean, there's some pretty uh, thoughtful design and where they would operate these things in mud and dirt fields and austere conditions and ease of maintenance. So. Uh, those are some of the pluses of the airplane. <clears throat> the wing fences, the way I tell a MiG-15 and a MiG-17, I'll get to you in a promise. Uh, as a matter of fact, can you tell me what's the difference between a MiG-15 and a MiG-17? You're great, he's good. But also, the way you can tell is the MiG-17 will have three of those fences on the wings. MiG-15 has two. If you ever see a picture, that's how you tell. And the afterburner, he's very smart. Um, so uh, they change the wings and the ailerons, and then it's much nicer flying airplane. I've never flown one, but uh, um, they do they do fly a lot nicer than the MiG-15. So that's the improvement. And that'll outdo a Sabre by the MiG-17. Which like to light the afterburner. Uh, I've flown with the MiG-17, and he just lights the afterburner and goes. So let's see, that's kind of a brief overview on the airplane. Um, I guess I will entertain some questions. Uh, I, I told I told the young man over here I would answer his question.
this uh, by a large margin. The, the 262 is a generation before this. Actually, I think the F80 would do better. The, the 262 swept wings were only about 18 degrees, which is not enough to get the swept wing performance. The only reason they did it on the 262 was for the engine CG. It was this is swept at 35 degrees, so it gets full, and so is the Sabre jet. They're swept back at 35 degrees. So yeah, I, I think this would. Uh, it's got a better power to weight, better engine, better all, better all. Ooh, T6. Um, the, these guns are pretty good. These guns are pretty good. And you know what? You can't hit them with two, you're not going to hit them with four. So. That's Jack JC. Is that live? Ours is a live C, yeah. It's a 1980s cartridge and it's all. Uh, they just had a, they had a shotgun shell. It looks like a big 37 millimeter cannon shell. And it's supposed to adjust for your weight. I don't know how. There's kind of a spring thing and. I guess how it vents and all that, so it's not just a bang, but yeah, it does. Between the 15 and the 17, I don't know. I suspect that the 17 is at least uh, twice as good as this. This one's really bad. Uh, you know, I never asked the question of the 17, guys. I should ask more recently. Uh, yeah, it did. Um, well, early F-86s had a K-14 gun sight, just like a Mustang. And then they came out with, I think it was called the A-1 gun sight, and there was a, um, uh, it would lock on and, and compute the range. So it was, uh, and that was an advantage, yes. So this, and this just maintained a, a basically a World War II gyroscopic gun sight like a K-14. Yeah, I mean, all the, all the early jets do the power Well, I mean, it's not a problem if you know what you're doing. You know, it's, it's not, a, it's not a real, I mean, it's, if you do what you're supposed to and do it how you're trained, it's not an issue. <coughs> yeah, they're all, all underpowered swift wing jets. Uh, not like an F-16 where you just pop the motor out of it. But yeah, you can, you can all watch it, but um, when your experience is not as big a deal as it is. The question is, is there a height or size requirement? No. Uh, some pretty tall guys foot, but most Chinese were smaller, but um, Steve flies an A6 foot. Um, it, it's a normal cockpit. I mean, uh, you know, Robin Olds is 6 foot 4, he flew in a P38. That P38 has a smaller sitting height cockpit leg room than this. So let me get down here some. Oh. No, it's a, fly it. it's a Russian. Are the gauges still in Russian? No, uh, we've. It's been restored with uh, American gauges. One other question. I know that one of the big advantages is that it, it climbs really well. But I heard that when it dives, it starts to lose control. Have you ever the question is, it climbs really well but dives, it can lose control. Um, it suffers from compressibility, just like the World War II airplanes did, just like the Sabre does. The Sabre is at higher speed is much more stable airplane. Yes. This you got to start watching it, and you don't ever want to stall this at low altitude. You basically jump out of it. If you stall it, it can be a really, it can, and I've never stalled it, so I don't know, and I'm not ever gonna. Um, so it has some pretty violent stall characteristics, from what I understand. Right behind it, yeah. Uh, how did this? How did? How did this plane end up at this museum? The question was, how did this airplane end up at this museum? 
Uh, real briefly, it was imported in 1985 from China. A team went over and got four or five airplanes out of China. Um, this airplane went to the owner before us, who is a great supporter of our museum, Tom Friedkin, who's a Comanche fighter. He has passed his son, Dan Friedkin, but Tom donated the MiG and the F-86 to us oh, uh, 15, 20 years ago now. So this, this was a donation from the Friedkin family. Any questions way down here? Any okay, everybody, that was our episode on the MiG-15. We hope you guys enjoyed that. Thank you again to Chris Fahey for coming on our podcast and discussing this wonderful aircraft with us. Uh, We hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you again to everybody who tuned in and listened. Uh, That'll do it for this week. Everybody, we hope you guys uh, enjoyed it. Uh, Make sure to follow me on Instagram, Aviation Avenue Pod. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, Aviation Avenue. Become a patron at patreon.com slash aviationavenue. Check out my website at www.podpage.com slash aviation-avenue-podcast. Make sure to use listener support using the link in any podcast platform. And we will talk to you guys next week here on the Aviation Avenue Podcast. So long for now, everyone.